Welcome back to Whose Crime Is It Anyway? I'm Shell. And I'm Lisa. And we hope all of you had a safe and happy holidays with loved ones this year. We know it was probably not the Christmas we all imagined, but it's still so important to take some time to relax and reflect on this crazy year. This is our final episode for season two of our podcast. I can't believe we're heading into the new year already. Yeah, it's been a whole other year with Whose Crime Is It Anyway? I know, it's crazy. Two full seasons. And we will be starting season three in 2021. So this season, after our short little hiatus because of the COVID pandemic, we brought you 18 new episodes every week. We recorded six of those remotely. We hit our one-year anniversary, and we reached 10,000 downloads. Thank you so much, everybody. We're just so happy. Yeah, you guys were still there when we came back. We made it. I think we came back strong, and yeah, you guys are the best listeners. Honestly, the best listeners, and just thank you for coming along this journey with us, and we really do try to bring exposure to Canadian cases and give a voice to underrepresented victims countrywide. So thank you again. For our last episode, before we ring in 2021, we wanted to give you a special update on some of our past episodes where new information has come to light. So this is our special update episode. So first, and I think one of the biggest breakthroughs and updates to happen recently was for our episode on the billionaire murders from Toronto, Ontario, who killed Barry and Honey Sherman. So go have a listen if you haven't already. It is a pretty crazy story. Barry and Honey were murdered in the basement of their home during December of 2017, only three years ago. They were both found murdered beside their indoor pool with belts wrapped around their necks. Initially, the police thought it might be a murder-suicide, but that was quickly ruled out during a second autopsy. This was a double homicide, and there were plenty of theories about who committed the crime and why. So, we went through a lot of these theories during our episode. We really did. We really did. Like, that was a great theorizing episode for sure yeah we went down a lot of rabbit holes yeah so one of our theories included a jealous distraught cousin of barry's who was suing him for a billion dollars and lost the case just before barry was murdered do you remember that guy i totally remember him the video the video yeah when he he wanted to like chop his head off and roll it down the driveway or something exactly exactly like he, he said that to the news Like, oh, I hated him, like basically incriminating himself. Yeah. And then there was the big pharma angle because Barry owned a company called Apotex, which is a huge pharmaceutical company that had a lot of competition out there. Mm -hmm. At the end of our episode, we were still wondering whose crime is it anyway? No suspects, no persons of interest, nothing. But in November of 2020... Toronto police released a statement saying that they have identified a person of interest in this high-profile case. So we have a person of interest, but no suspect and no arrests have been made. And they're not releasing a name, right? So we don't know the name that's given to this person. It hasn't 
been made available to the public, right. but they have been identified by police. Okay. Also, the belts that were used in the murder were found to be purchased months prior by Barry for $9.99. Cuz he was super frugal for being a billionaire. Oh, right, right. Okay. We now know that the murder essentially like the murder weapon came from inside came the house. Came from inside the home. Yeah, that they were his. I don't really know what that means or where that know, leads like, us. Someone would have had to gone into their bedroom or something and just known where their room is, I guess. It was a huge mansion, too. A huge mansion. So, I mean, either they were casing the place and went in way earlier. Because remember, Barry and Honey didn't get home until later that evening. Right. Yeah, they would so have they had time. they could have been there in the afternoon. Yeah, yeah. Had time. They could have had all day. Totally. But that, that makes me think that it was like a spur of the moment thing. Like they didn't come in with their own weapon. Or did they just not want it to get traced back t- to themselves? Like if they brought their own weapon. I think if they brought their own weapon, they would have to take that with them. Right. To not be caught. Exactly. Huh. So I'm thinking that by using belts that he owned, right. that means that he could leave it there right? because they wouldn't be traced back to whoever the murderer was. Right. And I guess if you had bought rope to do it instead, they could somehow trace it back to where it was bought from maybe or like what suppliers sell that specific type of rope. They could check the rope for... Did they check the belts for DNA? I can't remember. I think that they did. But remember this case, like, notoriously had so little information released. I know. It's so frustrating. The Toronto Star has, the newspaper, has been relentless in their pursuit of more information on this case. Yeah. And the police have recently agreed to unseal some previously classified documents. Do we know what that is? So we know now that the police heavily pursued, and I assume are still pursuing, a financial motive behind the murders of Barry and Honey Sherman. Yeah. Well, financial motive. Again, like he was a billionaire. So yeah, makes sense. So I guess they're saying that it's not family related. Like they're saying that it wasn't like a in the heat of the moment, like a, a crime of passion. Exactly. And they're not saying whether it was a targeted hit or anything like that. But even if it was a targeted hit, the motive behind that could have been money. And that's what they believe it is, Mm -hmm. is a financial motive. Mm -hmm. So in those documents that were released, some information came to light. So in late 2017, right before the murders occurred, Barry had to lay off workers from Apotex with another round of layoffs happening in early 2018. Oh, why? Well, this is why. So documents also revealed that Barry was increasingly worried about a pending lawsuit of $580 million against his company and how he would pay for it. So I think money for Apotex at that time was not going great. So they had to lay off workers. They had this pending lawsuit that he had no idea how he was going to pay it if he lost. Even though he had like a hundred different lawsuits at the same time. Exactly. This guy was like the king of suing people. Right. Well, with this, we know that money was a big issue now for Barry, which Mm -hmm. we didn't actually know that before. Yeah. And police in those documents, I guess, which are still quite, I think, redacted. Like, I don't think that they've unsealed everything. Yeah. But police wanted to know if anyone other than Barry had access to his accounts, which is kind of where I'm assuming this person of interest might have come up. 
Oh. I wish that they would just say like what it's related to. Like what is it linked to? Don't just say it's a person of interest. I want to know what point us in the direction. I know. There really isn't no big direction here at all. We just know that this case is still being investigated, which I think is a good thing. And I know that the family has been putting a lot of pressure mm-hmm. on the police to figure this out. Mm-hmm. And police also did release a photo. Remember that Barry had a meeting before he went home yeah so he had like a meeting at apotex right and that was the last time people saw him so they released some security cam footage of the architects that were coming in and they have surveillance footage of barry and honey as well before the murders like the day of because honey came to the office that day and visited barry which was unexpected oh they have not released the security footage of barry and honey even though they have it Mm -hmm. because what they're holding back is what they were wearing on the day that they were killed. Oh. So they think that that information might be something that only the killer or someone with like real information or real tips on this case would know. Okay, that's fair. I mean, I don't need to see what they're wearing. It's not going to make any difference to me. But still, we have no arrests, but maybe next year, it seems like things are really heating up in this unsolved case. Did you read the article? I sent it to you a long time ago, but it was back from August. And the title of Mm -hmm. it says that seventh generic drug manufacturer is charged in an ongoing criminal antitrust investigation. Consumers were allegedly overcharged at least $350 million. And Apotex was one of like a handful of companies that were a part of this like conspiracy and they were charged and they agreed to pay back like $24 million in a penalty. Oh, wow. I do remember you telling me this. $24 million. Like, do you think that this had something to do with it? Like, they knew that they were going to get caught for fucking overcharging people? Maybe. But then would that mean that it was someone within Apotex who killed Barry and Honey? It just... Maybe it still doesn't make sense to me. Maybe it was one of the other companies that they were in cahoots with. Maybe he knew. Maybe he was maybe he was going to talk and they didn't want him to talk. Totally. Like it totally could be. Yeah, 24 million dollars. That's crazy. It's crazy. It's a lot of money. Teva. T- have you heard of Teva? Teva? Yeah, no. T E V A. Says count one charges Teva for its role in conspiracy that included Glenmark Pharmaceuticals Inc., Apotex, and others. Wow. And uh, Apotex just like fully admitted its role and agreed to pay it back. So grand jury returned and an indictment against Glenmark for its role in the same conspiracy, which today's indictment supersedes. According to the charge, Teva, Glenmark, Apotex, and unnamed co-conspirators agreed to increase prices for pravastatin and other generic drugs. And pravastatin is a commonly prescribed cholesterol medication that lowers the risk of heart disease and stroke. So like, fuck you. You're going to increase the prices on that illegally? Anyway, yeah. they, they, got, they got caught and they got charged. It's like they got caught anyways, right? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, okay, I mean, this is three years later. So maybe, maybe it could have had something to do with that. Maybe this was we before. Yeah. Like maybe this was before any of those companies were on the radar. Maybe. Right? Totally. Like maybe they could tell that people were sniffing around maybe. And they just thought maybe Barry said, he's like, you know what? I got to bail on this. I don't feel right about it. Maybe he was like having second thoughts and he was like, I can't do this anymore. And be but a part to of it. murder to murder someone and to murder two people like his wife too it's just 
it still doesn't make sense to me why Honey was also murdered. I'm still, this case still baffles me. It baffles me. I know. It, to me, it has to be money. $350 million. Has to be. Is a lot of money. Totally. So I like know. it could have easily just been one of these other billionaires too, just being like, no, you are not going to take me down. And totally. your wife is going with you because she probably knew as well. She probably knows. Yeah. She probably has information. Exactly. Totally. Oh man. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping that maybe we'll know more coming up in the next year. I think they're onto something. They're clearly like not giving up on it, which is really nice to know that they're yeah. like really investigating this. Yeah, they're ramping things up for mm-hmm. sure. So next update, we have the almost two decade old case of Lisa Marie Young, who went missing in Nanaimo after a night out with friends. Lisa was last heard from when she called a friend saying she was in a car sitting in a driveway on Bowen Road in Nanaimo. She was seen leaving a party with a guy getting into a Jaguar, which is assumed to be the car she was sitting in when she placed the call to her friend Dallas. After that call, Lisa vanished. And it wasn't just any phone call to her friend Dallas. She was calling him for help and saying that this person she wasn't was. letting her leave. Was she locked in the car? Like, what was going on? Right. So this year, police conducted two searches in relation to the case. One was at a Nanaimo Lakes Road property, which has apparently come up as a location of interest many times in the community. Hmm. Because the community feels very strongly about this case. Oh, yeah. Remember, also, Lisa's grandfather is the chief of Tofino. Mm-hmm. Like, there, this case has been something that the community has held on to for so long. Oh, yeah. It's very, their Facebook page is very, very active. Definitely. And so this was one search at this property. And then there was another search earlier in December, although I'm not sure exactly where that one was. Mm-hmm. So the Nanaimo property actually backs onto Morel Sanctuary, which is a 280 acre park. There have been several tips that have come in mentioning this property and the Young family is really thankful that the police are still following up on leads so many years later. That's good. As of now, this is all we know. We know that there were searches, but we don't know if anything was found or what, you know, the searches, what the conclusion was from the searches. I wonder if this was a tip you know the podcast that came out this year, Where is Lisa? Yes. Island Crime, Where is Lisa? Yeah. I wonder if someone's talking finally. And it got a, it's still getting a ton of exposure. And yes, maybe people are going to start talking and sharing what they know. Totally. Maybe this was a tip because of someone who listened to the podcast. This is something that was brought up in the article that I read about this case, about this update, because after the podcast was released this year called Island Crime, Where is Lisa? There has been so much more discussion around the case. It's really kept it in the minds of the public and gotten people to talk about their experience, about what they remember. It's, I think, really helping this case. And we've seen Mm -hmm. podcasts do that. It's just really awesome to see a local case be treated this way because we've seen like up and vanished we've seen you know that one in LA we've seen right the one with Kristen Smart in the U.S. Mm -hmm. in your own backyard exactly and I think it's just you know a testament to what podcasts and investigative journalism can do 
mm-hmm. to just like really bring light to the case especially island crime kind of has the same vibe as your own backyard because the podcaster was very well liked by the family and had a lot of support from the family it's just really sad but reassuring know. to it know is. that like things are still active yes hopefully i mean we will keep hearing some more updates on this case because it has been a cold case and there haven't been any leads we don't have a body we don't know where lisa is but hopefully with some tips and people coming forward the police can have some more answers well because we know someone knows someone knows something yeah we know Next, we have the case of Lindsay Buziak, who was the young real estate agent from Victoria, B.C., who was brutally stabbed and murdered while showing a home to a couple, which is like my absolute nightmare of being a real estate agent. If you remember, there were a lot of theories about what might have happened, but very little information on the couple that saw the home that actually like she showed the home to. Right. Yeah. This couple escaped and suspicion quickly fell on her boyfriend who was waiting in his car outside the home with a friend when the murder occurred. So there's kind of the boyfriend theory and then there was also this theory that her death was gang affiliated as well Mm -hmm. with ties to Mm -hmm. gang leaders in Calgary. Mm -hmm. What we do know now is that this year documents were unsealed, although still heavily redacted, and they do shed some new light on the investigation. So the killer couple used a burner phone to contact Lindsay, but we know that there were two phones at play. One was used to check voicemails on the other. So this was something that was released in those documents. Oh, yeah, we didn't know that. No, we didn't know that. We just knew that there was one burner phone. Yeah. So there were two. two. There were around a dozen calls between the burner phone and Lindsay's cell because remember the other phone was just used to check voicemails. Okay. During these calls in conversation she provided the address to the D'Souza house and police believe that the murderers cased the house via MapQuest. Oh can you get much information from MapQuest? So I think that what they, it's like a Google Earth or something, right? Like they looked at the house. They tried to see what escape routes there could be, where they could park. All of those things I think they could have probably come up with by looking at MapQuest. So this is what the police's theory is. Oh, God. Oh, that's so creepy. If you remember, um, it was Paulo Rodriguez, which was the fake name that was used to purchase and register the burner phone. Right. But apparently, police now know the real name and identity of the owners of both the phones used in planning and carrying out the murder of Lindsay. Okay. So where are they? Right? I know. We don't know. We don't know those names, but the police know. That's huge. That is huge. Oh, my God. We also know from the unsealed documents that Lindsay stopped by the real estate office, Remax Camosin, the afternoon on the day she was murdered. So when she was there, she spoke with a receptionist whose identity is protected, and Lindsay told her that she was feeling really weird and freaked out about the showing later that day. That kind of plays into our questions. If Lindsay told her boyfriend that she was freaked out, why wasn't he on time to the showing? And why wasn't he checking on her? Well, that's what we said from the beginning. Exactly. 
If you know your girlfriend is scared, yeah, why aren't you there for her? And, you know, this is, I think, just corroborating their theory that she was uneasy about these guys. Like, when I was researching the case, it was kind of up in the air. Okay, was she actually scared? Or did she, like, did she actually get a bad feeling about them? Or was it just kind of like, oh, this is weird, but, you know, it's a great opportunity. I'm going to do it. So I think it kind of solidifies that she was scared. Exactly. It's not just something that her boyfriend made up to say like, oh, yeah, she said she was really nervous about them. Blah blah. blah. Well, if now the receptionist is saying the same thing. Exactly. And if her name is protected, I mean, how many receptionists do they have? And does she still work there? Because that right. can easily get found out. Totally. Totally. Why is her identity protected? It's, uh, it's unlikely that it's a large office. I'm sure there's only one receptionist there that works at Remax. Yeah. Why would you need to protect your name? Like, why would that be incriminating towards you? Who knows? One thing that I remember watching from one of the reenactment videos of the scene was when they actually, I actually saw real footage of the boyfriend with the investigators coming back to the house. Yes. And they were asking him, okay, you walk in the door, what do you do next? And he's like, I ran straight up the stairs to the bedroom. And he showed them like, how he did it and they were like afterwards thinking what would make you think to just bolt straight up the stairs instead of like looking at the main floor first when you first walk in so I think his claim was that his buddy was already searching the ground floor because he came in through the patio so he's like you search the rest I'll go upstairs I guess so Hmm. But I mean, it's still, it's still weird. I, I don't know. I have my reservations about the boyfriend, but he's never been named a suspect and it's still very unclear. This, this is it. Like these are all the updates we have. And they've got the names of those people who bought the phone. Like what are they doing with that? They must be doing something. I, I I hope. I really hope so. They must be questioning them and seeing what they know. I really hope they're getting close. Because that's a big, that's a big lead. That's a big lead. It is. And Jeff Buziak, Lindsay's father, he is still skeptical of the Saanich police in Victoria to finally solve his daughter's case. But I mean, with this new information and some new breaks in the case, hopefully there will be more progress. Yes. Well, finally, our final update. We have our most recent heist case Wow, that's a tongue twister. We have our most recent heist case of the Golden Looney, the Big Maple Leaf. Yes. The $6 million Looney, Canadian Looney, coin was stolen. (laughs) How big was it again? (laughs) I forgot. 200 dimensions. 200 pounds? 220 pounds. 220. 220 pound coin. So not an actual Looney. This is like a big, massive Looney. Out of pure gold. Out of pure gold. 99%. Oh, yeah. And this coin was stolen from the Bode Museum in Berlin, Germany, and it was never recovered. So the suspects who were arrested and charged were part of the Remo crime family. Mm -hmm. It was thought that the coin was melted down quickly after it was stolen, making recovering it nearly impossible. Right. But... 
This month, in December of 2020, Berlin police raided homes and jewelry shops that they believed were in connection with the stolen Canadian loony, the Big Maple Leaf. They raided places that belonged to a ring that was known to melt down stolen gold and forge that gold into collector coins, selling them as genuine coins through jewelry shops. So in these searches, police found counterfeit coins, forgery tools, and some cash. And they believe that the counterfeit coins could be in connection to the big maple leaf. (gasps) So... What was his name who owned the Big Maple Leaf? His name was Boris. It was Boris. Okay, so this means that Boris could perhaps get some of his cherished Big Maple Leaf golden loony back. (laughs) In other forms. He was so sad about it. I know. (laughs) But like how are you supposed to trace it though? It's just gold. I know, I know. Maybe I have no idea. But it's, maybe because it's part of the Remo family that they think yeah. that they could connect it to the heist. I feel like they just have to sort of come up with something better, though. Like, you need to have more concrete evidence to find it. Like, it's, I don't know. I just feel like it's gone. It's gone. I know. I know. And did you hear about this palace that was, it's another museum, I believe, in germany that was um robbed recently and yes, all the jewels, these jewels right? all the mm-hmm. jewels and i'm pretty sure it was them like that same it was family. also connected with the remo family yes yeah it was. so damn guys like they're yeah. fucking on a roll they're going at it i know mm. for now that's all we know about the big maple leaf we will wait and see if any more of the beloved golden loony was found fingers crossed Our poor loony. I know. Well, that is it for the update episode. That's all I got. That's awesome. Those were great leads, though. Like, all the updates actually led to something. They're getting somewhere. I know. I feel like it's nice to do follow-ups on the cases that we, you know, are are kind of left uncertain. Mm -hmm. And with DNA testing and new advances in technology happening every year there could be plenty more leads in these cases where we just didn't have any answers exactly and podcasts just got to keep it alive so that put the pressure on investigators to keep it going totally yeah i agree thanks so much for listening to another season of whose crime is it anyway We will be taking a short break, but we'll be back with season three in the new year. Until then, follow us on Instagram at Who's Crime Podcast and find us on Twitter at Who's Crime Pod. Bye. Doodles. (laughs) Yay. Awesome. Cheers, girl, to an amazing year of Who's Crime Is It Anyway. We did it. We did it.